0: It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Reports or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080 now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation. Here's the voice of the Wildcats,
1: Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Leach Report for a Friday. Um, First jewel of the Triple Crown is coming up this weekend. It's it's, a crazy 2020 year, so the Belmont Stakes at a mile and an eighth leads off the Triple Crown Series tomorrow up in New York. We'll talk a little bit about that with Dick Girardi. Uh, who uh, joins us around the Triple Crown races each year to analyze them? Kenny Rice is going to be one of the few media people on site. He'll be working the NBC telecast tomorrow, and Kenny will join us, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and other Kentucky sports topics with uh, Kenny. John Hale from the Courier Journal uh, will lead off with John, UK Athletics, yesterday. Uh, released some budget numbers, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So that's our guest lineup for today. Wildcat News of the day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. It's a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. The UK Athletics budget proposal released yesterday calls for a 17 percent reduction, and in, uh, in the budget, lots of travel cuts. Not surprisingly, that's an area that could, uh, I think, probably more readily. And more easily be trimmed. Uh, it projects a decrease in ticket revenue of almost $5.7 million. The latest top 100 from Sam Vicini of The Athletic is out, and there are a lot of draft projections you can look at, so you can make a decision on uh, who you put some value on. The early ones, like way back there at the start of the college season, uh, pay no attention to. Uh, when they get closer to the actual draft, some reporters that uh, I give, you know, I think have credibility for me. Anyway, um, I will pay attention. So this one will pass along just for your consideration. Tyrese Maxey projected 13. Emmanuel quickly 49. Uh, Nick Richards 66, Ashton Higgins 67, if those numbers prove accurate, that would be just outside the second round for those two guys. I really think uh, the Kentucky veteran guys, uh, Q and uh, Nick and Ashton, uh, are uh, hurt by the inability to meet with um, the... NBA teams to do workouts. Tyrese is going to be a lottery pick, so he's he's fine. And but these other guys, I think, would show up so well uh, in one-on-one conversations. Great teammates. Same goes for Tyrese, but it's, again, he's he's fine. He's in the lottery. It's these other guys, I think, um, with a, a little more exposure to more NBA teams beyond just what they see on tape, would uh, serve them well. Makur Maker is not listed on the top 100. Uh, same goes for EJ Montgomery Khalil Whitney but uh, makers uh, f- the folks in his camp have suggested that he might may consider college if the draft picture doesn't look good so in Kentucky could be in the mix if he uh, chooses to do that the NFL Players Association and uh, card maker panini have released their 2020 Rookie Premier Class, and their top 42 prospects include Kentucky's Lynn Bowden, now of the Raiders. So uh, happy to hear that. And a uh, former U.K. cross-country runner, Josh Nadsom, is making a 26-mile run from Lexington to Frankfurt to raise funds and awareness for the Black Lives Matter cause. He'll uh, use, he'll, uh, use some of the funds to help Kentucky's branch of the NAACP plus local black entrepreneurs. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Heading to a break, John Hale will join us from the C.J. when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network.
2: You're
0: tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats.
1: Guests on the show come to you via the Kentucky Hempworks dot com online, and that's where we go to bring on John Hale from the Career Journal at Career Journal dot com. Um, and John has a story up there about the UK athletics budget proposal that came out yesterday. John, what were the most uh, interesting storylines, I guess is maybe the term we'll use, that came out of that for you?
3: Yeah, for me, it starts with the idea that I, I think it's fair to call this. Kentucky's kind of best case budget at this point in time, uh, because as Mitch Barnhart told the athletics committee yesterday, they are budgeting. This budget is built around the idea that they're going to play games as scheduled with fans, and we all know that there's a lot of questions still to be answered about that. And Mitch acknowledged it. They are planning for many, many other contingencies. Uh, I assume that means including no fans or limited fans, uh, but he's not going to speculate on any hypotheticals at this point. They're going to, you know, proceed as if the season will be played as normal. And if it's not, then adjust from there. So when you look at it off the top, you see that they did budget for something close to $6 million loss in in ticket revenue just based on the idea that some people probably aren't going to be able to buy tickets that have in the past uh, because of the way the economy is right now. Uh, And also some people probably aren't going to be comfortable coming to games just because of the state of the virus, uh, even if they're allowed there. So that's the small ticket um, cost there. And even allowing for the fact that, that, that in this budget it's built around the idea of fans will be at games, they still cut uh, 17% from this third of the budget. It's, they didn't cut any staff. Uh, they didn't cut any player, student-athlete, welfare things. There's a whole third of the budget that's you know, uh, contractual agreements that they can't cut, like the Rupp Arena lease or the money they give back to the university for scholarships. Uh, from this other third, though, they cut 17%, which the biggest cut comes from uh, team travel. So the bas- men's basketball team, the women's basketball team, the football team are still going to charter some trips on charter flights, is what they said yesterday, but basically every other sport is either going to be uh, traveling the games by bus or commercial flight, which is a big change from what they've done in the past.
1: Yeah, probably a, a good many more bus trips, I would imagine, you know, anything yeah, drivable.
3: Mitch basically said is, is a six-hour radius around Lexington. It's probably going to be busing at this point. Uh, and the idea that, that they mentioned yesterday, too, is if you're going by bus, uh, especially if you're waiting on commercial flights, this may be a situation where teams actually add a day or a night to their road trip. So, uh, you know this as well as anybody, that a lot of times after a Sunday game, especially for basketball football, they're back in Lexington, you know, two or three hours after the game because they've got a a charter flight. So for the teams that aren't allowed to do those flights now they may have to stay in a hotel at whatever city they're in on sunday night then get up monday morning uh, and take a commercial flight which means they might make, miss class on monday and all these other scenarios that are going to be brought into it that, that they normally don't have to deal with
1: yeah it's, it's a lot one one change affects maybe multiple things elsewhere like the you know say you may have to adjust for you know missing more class time things yeah, like that
3: absolutely and, Mitch noted yesterday that this, that's one area where it's probably good that, uh, they spent the, uh, most of a semester, the second half of the spring semester doing virtual learning. Uh, and it appears with the university's plan they put out uh, earlier this week for coming back to school, they're going to have to have that virtual learning component in there, even with on campus classes for, you know, students who have medical issues or whatever else that prevents them from being in person. So maybe it's a scenario where some of those athletes can do the virtual learning on those classes they might have missed and it won't be the huge hit as possible, but it adds fatigue. Uh, he mentioned that you know it might affect performance on, on the court, on the field at times because that's one of the reasons they've done all these charter flights before is if you make it as easy as possible for your athletes and they get to sleep in their own beds, you probably perform better. That may be a, a scenario where we see some of this affect just their play and fatigue and all those other things.
1: I doubt this will probably affect UK football, but I know a lot and I've seen some schools Oregon State, excuse me. Oregon State was one I just saw that they won't uh, stay in a a local hotel the night before a home game, which teams, football teams, typically do uh, for all their meetings and to make sure guys, you know, don't get be anywhere they shouldn't be, etc. And uh, you know, my guess is that'll probably in an SEC school that'll probably uh, survive, but a lot of places may cut that.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's another part of this whole you know team travel issues uh, that cut from staff travel for recruiting. Obviously, they're not allowed to travel right now for recruiting, so that helps save some money off the bat. But I think even uh, after it, it, the dead period gets lifted, Mitch noted that they've learned so much about recruiting via Zoom uh, that that's going to be something that sticks with, well, I think, most of the athletic department moving forward to some extent. So that's one area. It is, and you mentioned the SEC school factor there. I think that's important to note that just with the amount of money that the league gets from the TV deal and the SEC network and all those things, the fact that Kentucky is one of, you know, a dozen or so athletic departments in the country before all this that was self-sufficient puts them in a much better financial situation to handle all this uh, than some other schools. And another example of that is you've seen some schools say big numbers, it's going to cost to, for the, just for the scholarships for the spring sports athletes that you know, are granted an extra year of eligibility. Uh, Kentucky already has in their budget five years for all their athletes to complete their degree. Even though they can only play four years, they, ought, they already huh. get five years of scholarships. So that's an area they didn't really have to add any extra money to the budget because they already had that accounted for.
1: Last we'll get you out on this. Uh, do you get the sense that they have already their con- – contingencies for for fans or because this thing is still changing or surges going on right now that those decisions may not come you know those that planning may not start until sometime in July
3: No I think they are planning I don't think they've made any final decisions for those uh, Mitch has been very adamant throughout this that he doesn't want to speculate on hypotheticals I mean I know I requested him for an interview you know back in April just when we were writing all sorts of stories about the financial picture and, and he was clear then that he didn't think there was any value in speculating. You can understand that. Uh why he might take that that route. And he got asked yesterday by an athletics committee meeting uh, member to, to clarify the tickets if, if this loss they were budgeting was because there were gonna be fans there or if it was just the you know financial situation or whatever. And he said, you know, just because we're not speculating don't think that means we're not preparing. We are preparing for everything and if if we have to adapt we'll be ready to do it. So I think they are already having those conversations they probably just won't finalize any of that until they know they have to
1: john hale thanks for the time have a good weekend anytime thanks for having me at john hale underscore cj on twitter we'll get to a break dick girardi talking about the belmont stakes when we come right back on the leach report radio network Larry Turf rider Dick Girardi joins us now, courtesy of betonline.ag on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And, Mr. Girardi, how goes it?
2: I'm good, Tom. It's a little nuts, but I'm okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we have the Belmont Stakes uh, as the first jewel to the Triple Crown at a mile and an eighth, so that just sounds strange every time I say it. We have a big favorite in there in Tis the Law, who's been very impressive in his two wins this year. There's a little bit of uh, as I look at him. I'm you know, always going to try to beat the favorite, but he's like that. And you we've covered a lot of college basketball. He's that one seed that comes into the NCAA tournament that he's either comes out of a of a unheralded league or a, a league that was down, and so the 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 schedule that he's that they've beaten is a little suspect and so you you think maybe they're vulnerable um now look at the horses that were behind him in the two races in Florida none of them have come back to do much so is he vulnerable
2: I, I no I think that's all perfectly fair uh, it wasn't much of a group in Florida this year at all and he I mean he pounded them pretty well but the issue is Who's the 16th seed that's going <laughs> to knock him off, right? It's, just, it's not the strongest Belmont by any means. Uh, the only grade one winner in the race, Tom, is, is Tis the Law, and he's won two of them. So just on paper, on form, he really lays over the field. But having said that, like you, I am not willing to take four to five on a portion of Belmont, so I will try to beat him with a one-tap it to win, who I liked last year when I watched him break his bait at Saratoga. Then he ran just two dreadful races in Kentucky. And I'm thinking, well, obviously I got that one wrong. Turned out he got hurt in the second race. had surgery. Boy, there's two races this year for Mark Cassie. he been great. So, yeah, I'm going to try to beat the favorite. But he's a very, very solid favorite. I got nothing bad to say about his law at all.
1: You've uh, worked for for a long time with Andy Buyer and the, the Buyer Speed Figure guys, and um, Tap It To Win had a 97 last time, which puts him in in the neighborhood of tis the law. And if he improves in his third start as a three year old, then he's probably in triple digits, and he's certainly uh, competitive. Is that the the main angle for you?
2: Absolutely, and it's interesting too. Mark Cassie is maybe the only big name trainer. And Mark was elected to the Hall of Fame this year, and it's actually on a two-race, triple-crown-race winning streak. If he wins tomorrow, I'll have that rare Freakness Belmont Belmont in a row. That'll never <laughs> happen again, That's, I don't think. But, yeah, uh, he's the few, one of the few guys that runs horses back fast in big races. It's only going to be 16 days. It was some other trainer going, yeah, I don't know about this, but Mark has done it successfully many times. The horse is hot, and he's saying, well, wait a second, if he's hot, what am I waiting for? Let's go for it. So they supplemented him, he's in, he's going for it, and yeah, you're right. If he improves just a touch, and and I think there's a reasonable chance he's gonna be out there by himself. There's only one other speed horse for left and really just gonna depend on how they ride him. Boy, if you could get Tappet to win two in front after a quarter mile, I would I would take my chance.
1: We had the Tiger Slam where he won three majors and then the fourth one being the Masters the next year. So he won four in a row. So I guess we could have a Cassie triple here.
2: <laughs> we could. And you know what I'd forgotten? I was talking to my buddy Jay Fruittman of the DRF the other day, Tom, and he reminded me that we six in a row at one point with, with uh, starting in like 94
1: with Lucas, uh, yeah,
2: Vasco cat, and he swept them in 95 with two different horses, and then he won the Derby in 96. So he won six triple races in a row with, let's see, four different horses. Unbelievable.
1: He came as close, I think, as anybody probably ever will to what Woody Stevens did in the Belmont Stakes, winning five in a row.
2: Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's just those are two feats that I don't think I don't think will be topped. Of course, we never thought anybody win two triple crowns either, and we saw Bob Baffert do that. So there's been some wild stuff going on here the last twenty twenty five years.
1: For casual racing fans uh, at Belmont Park, it is a track that is a mile and a half around, uh, much larger than most. So a mile and an eighth race is. Only one turn. They have a long run down the back stretch, around the turn, and down the stretch. And so, I would think that that plays to tap it to win. Does it? Is it a concern at all for Tis the Law going from two two turn races now back to running around one?
2: Yeah, it could be. It's interesting because he he won the Champagne at Belmont last October. That's a one turn mile. Obviously, just it starts a little further up the back stretch, an eighth of a mile up the back stretch, but. Yeah, I, it potentially could be, depending on what kind of trip he gets. I think um Barkley Tagg, I know he said he won it between 5 and 7. He got the 8, which to me is a great post. If you watch the lost races, in fact, the race he lost at Churchill, he just doesn't like to run inside horses. At least he doesn't seem comfortable to me. So I would think the 8 post is actually going to be fine. And he looks to me like he's maybe sitting 4th early on, 3rd or 4th, behind the, behind the speed in, in a pretty good spot. Uh, but, yeah, I do think it potentially gives a horse like Tappet to win, who, to me, is the horse with the biggest upside in the race. I'm just hoping it's tomorrow uh, that he yeah. shows it. Uh, but it, it gives Tappet to win at least that tactical advantage that at some point you're going to have to come and come and catch it.
1: Anybody else that's worth uh, taking a look at, if not to win, that uh, to, for exotic players?
2: Yeah, the other two that interest me are the nine, Doctor Post. I think he's the better of the two Fletcher horses. He's also got uh, five Farmington Road, who's just a, a dead closer. Just comes from just too far back for me. I like Doctor Post. The second race back, uh, the the maiden race, I thought was really impressive. Then his his minor stakes win was solid, and he's got Irad Ortiz, who's just been riding out of his mind for I don't know four years now. I mean, the guy's just incredible. And the 10 pneumatic is, I think he's going to be about 10 on the, probably when the betting is finished, about 10 to 1. This is the Asmussen Ricardo Santana combination, which has just been huge in big races lately. And I know you know this from being down in Kentucky, Tom, but if Maxfield was in this race, he would be a solid second choice. Yeah. Um, of course, Maxfield unfortunately got hurt. He's he's, he's completely out of the Triple Crown. Uh, But Pneumatic was only beating a length of three-quarters to Maxfield and the Matt Wynn at Churchill. And I think that race, if he can come back to
1: that, that's good enough to get him in the top three. Thank you, Dick Girardi. And we'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network.
0: This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio.
1: Twenty-six away from the top of the hour and we go back to the com hotline and bring on kenny rice from nbc sports who's up in new york to cover the belmont stakes tomorrow on nbc one of uh, just a very few media people that'll be there right kenny
0: tom good to be back with you yeah there's yes. only going to be a, a limited number of maybe a dozen or so uh, there'll be a few track personnel there of course uh, there's only Brittany Erton and I are the only two reporters, and uh, Tom, uh, you know, and Tom. I guess, uh, I guess, if you did the math, probably maybe 35, 40 people will be watching this race as it unfolds live at the track.
1: Yeah, because uh, Mike Tarico, Randy Moss, Jerry Bailey, they'll all be from their homes, right?
0: Yeah, Mike and Randy are going to be in the studio now in Stamford, Connecticut. The fluid has been the magic word this year, hasn't it? So things have changed around. So those are going. They're now going to Stanford. They'll be in the studio at NBC where it's headquartered. Jerry's going to be at his home in Florida, and Eddie Olchek will be at his home in Chicago. So, uh, you know, this is something I've never done. And it- let's face it, I think everybody can say that about a lot of things this year. <laughs> <It's> different <laughs> yeah. all of it is.
1: You, you, and Brittany will be a little bit like Jim Cantore, maybe, because on the Weather Channel, there's a hurricane hitting Florida, and you know they're in the studio. Whatever you do, do not go into Miami. Stay out of Miami. The hurricane's coming. Let's go live to Miami and Jim Cantore. <laughs>
2: that's
0: exactly it you know i said when they when they told me they'd give me the assignment up here i said i don't know if they, that means they got a lot of confidence in me or i'm expendable but either way, i'm here so we'll see
1: what's it going to be like for you in terms of the the job that you do i mean uh so will you be wearing will you be ma- masked while you're doing reports
0: uh while i'm doing reports i will not be masked uh, at least that's my understanding now if i'm if i'm wearing a mask tomorrow folks uh you know that we again in this fluid situation changed overnight. But uh, and and again, you know how big this track is, Tom. I mean, honestly, they could have the whole whole team here and bring in the Sunday night football team, and we wouldn't be within fifty <laughs> feet of each other. Uh, but uh, so no if when the reports, however, uh, when we do interviews, we'll have a, a six a microphone on a on a extending stick. You know, a boom mic. It'll go six feet, and I will do my interviews like with Doug O'Neill and Barkley Tag tomorrow. Uh, wearing my mask, standing six feet away from them, and uh, trying not to yell at them, as you know, you have a tendency sometimes when you're that far away from people, but uh, uh, that, that's going to be different. Uh, er- everything's different. I saw Todd Pletcher, I was talking to him last night, and uh, you know, he has two in this race, and he, he had experienced it in the Florida Derby where there's no fans, and he was telling me, he said, you know, it. Time said, "You look around. I, I wouldn't even mind having some people boo me just to have some people there. <laughs> you know, cheers or boos. We just welcome anything that anybody might have to say. It's it's pretty lonely and quiet down there in the paddock.
1: You especially miss that in New York, the boo.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, And you know, and, and you the know, New York they're, fans. They're, yeah, you know. I mean, the, you know, they're, they're stacked like six, seven deep. Sometimes, uh, you know, even more than that for the triple crown on the line." And when those horses walk about 300 yards from the barn and come through that tunnel and then first it emerging and the crowd's all screaming and cheering, uh, it, it's just a, it's a great sight. It's one of the best things in sports is that moment. And, of course, uh, that moment will not be existing this year. Horses come over, but uh, except for Brittany and me, uh, it'll just be the grooms and the trainers uh, awaiting the jockeys as we all get to the pack.
1: Well, Inch, start inching back, I guess, here to uh, some level of fan attendance. NASCAR uh, had a little bit, I think, already. PGA Tour, I think maybe in their fifth week back, is going to have some fans. And uh, I read yesterday where a story where uh, Churchill has presented their plan for their September meet to the governor's office, which obviously includes the Derby. And um, it, it, it feels like, which will be also the opening of college football weekend, it feels like to me it, uh, that we're trending in the direction of having some level of fans, for the, say for the Derby. I don't think it'll be 150,000, but, you know, a racetrack is, is partitioned off. There's a lot of different, you know, there's suites, there's boxes. there's It's easy to separate people, and plus it's a big physical plant there at Churchill, kind of like Belmont, that, I don't know, 20, 30, maybe 50,000 at the Derby? Could it be that many?
0: You know, Tom, to me, and again, yeah, you know, everybody's so sensitive. I want to be serious. You know, I'm not being flippant about this. But to me, it makes total sense because, again, as big as Churchill Downs is, you could set a lot of people in there, and, and they would be a good 10 feet away from each other. And like you say, I don't think 40 or 50 would be out of the question for for the Derby. Uh, I think there's some hope uh, talking with some of the people up here, you know, they were asking me, it's amazing how people, you know, they watch all the news cycles and keep up with everything. They're aware that Kentucky is going to have a state fair this year. And uh, they wanted to know if that meant that maybe that might translate over that there would be people at the Derby. And I I said, I think that's the hope. That's why Churchill immediately decided to go to September uh, instead of any earlier that there, you know, might, something might open up in the summer And, and let's hope it does because uh, you know, sports is such a big part of everybody's life. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's the process that you have great release without uh, upsetting anyone. You can cheer against the other guy, and you're not necessarily arguing with him about it. So I, th- I hope that the Derby uh, does have some fans, and you're right. I, I think they could, you know, maybe if they let you and I block this thing off, I believe we could probably put <laughs> at least 30,000 in there very safely at Churchill.
1: I think so. I, that, that sounds very reasonable uh, to me. Uh, we're ch- chatting with Kenny Rice from NBC Sports. You'll see him on the coverage tomorrow. What time do you guys start, Eastern?
0: Uh, we will go on there at 2.45 Eastern, 2.45 Two. till 6 o'clock tomorrow night.
1: Uh, we'll come, come right back and uh, chat a little more with Kenny Rice here in, on the Leach Report Radio Network when we return.
0: This is The Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report.
1: Now, here's Tom. Back with Kenny Rice of NBC Sports on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. He's up in New York to cover the Belmont Stakes tomorrow. Coverage will start at 2.45 Eastern on NBC. One of the events, unfortunately, we lost was the boys' sweet 16, and always enjoy seeing you and, and your dad there every year. Um, first of all, how's your dad doing?
0: Oh, thank you for asking. That's so nice. He's 91 years old. God bless, and he's doing great, and he always listens to you. So happy early Father's Day, <laughs> Reginald Rice. And, uh, there you he go. Had, he had to go to the doctor recently. He pulled muscle lifting weights, okay? That's, oh, my
1: goodness. Good for him. Yeah.
0: I'm 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 am so I'm, I'm you know I'm just uh, I just sort of setting the shadows over there, Tom. Saying, "Wow,
1: that was, that was tough." <laughs> Ninety-one and pull the muscle lifting weights.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got his dumbbells. He does his fly curls and you know his arm curls. <laughs> That's an old coal miner. You know, they just keep working. They just don't stop working. I think
1: tough as nails. Uh, yeah. Uh, you guys, how how many years? What's your streak now of Sweet Sixteens?
0: Well, Dad goes back to 46. He saw the first one there. I think Breck Training won it that year. I may be wrong on that. I have to look. And I remember he talked a lot about that undefeated Brewers team. He saw all those. He missed some time when he was in the Army and a couple of things back home, family illnesses and deals. But we think he's only missed about five state tournaments since 46. My first one was in 64. Uh, And I remember uh, that really going to Memorial Coliseum, you know, the excitement of being there and seeing it. And and the stretch of Kentucky's NCAA tournament runs, Tom, in the nineties, I missed probably about four state tournaments because of that. And uh, so so I guess I've seen almost every one since '64. My goodness, I don't want to be that guy sitting on the porch saying, "Let me tell you about the day." But I was fortunate <laughs> to see guys like Wes Unseld and Butch Beard play, and uh, you know Mike Casey and uh, just Daryl Griffith, Ron King. I saw some great players uh, come through the state of Kentucky in the sixties and
1: seventies uh kenny rice with us from uh, nbc sports um for many years uh covered uk sports and kentucky sports here on uh, wky or wtvq tv in lexington and um when you were covering the, the cats you saw a lot of different football coaches come through here and, and try to get this program to a higher level and uh, some got close some made it for a while um what's your take on what mark stoops is doing
0: I'm a big fan of the way that Mark is building the program, and building is the key word. I mean, as you know, Tom, uh, you know, I, I it's uh, been a situation at Kentucky for many years where, yeah, we're building, we're going to do great things, and, and you know, they got carried away. Yeah, we're going to win championships. I think Mark has done it the right way in in getting a in getting some players in here. I mean, let's look at it. My goodness, you know, Kentucky, we can talk about draft picks now. How many times have you talked about maybe even first round draft picks like a Josh Allen? Uh, it's been a long time, you know. There were there were you know people that came and went that were great players, just like an individual. But now you're talking about linemen being looked at, uh, guys making all SEC teams that are in the trenches where it's where the game's won, in my opinion. And uh, and now look at who Kentucky beats out. I know one time I got chastised a bit by a then athletics director at Kentucky back in the '80s, where I was reporting on a guy that had chosen to come to play for, I guess his early nineties to play for Bill Curry. And I think he was that, that like Kentucky beat out Marshall and Miami of Ohio and maybe Morehead State for him. And I said, "Wow, how did they do that?" And I got <laughs> kind of chastised. But now you look at you know when when you're now talking about uh, power five conferences that Kentucky's beating out for these guys, I think it says a lot the way they've done it. And I really do believe that Kentucky now has a football program. It's the only time in my lifetime I can remember it. I have to revert back to my dad who's the only other guy I know that uh, actually saw a great run of Kentucky. That was when Bear Bryant coached. And, and you probably, if you're not about 85 and older, you can't remember that. I've just read about it and heard about it.
1: I ran into Mitch. We were out in Vegas for the basketball games in December, and it was National Signing Day. And I ran into Mitch Barnhart uh, out for coffee that morning, and he it was ready to announce the class. And I said, you knew. Know, knew who they were going to be getting in this class. And I said, you know, this is the first time I'm always hopeful that Kentucky could win and uh, and win the SEC East and play in the SEC championship game for the first time. Always hopeful. I said, the, where they've got this program and with what they're now doing with this latest class of recruiting, I think, I believe it will happen in the time, say, that this class is here, which would be five years uh, at the time they would be here. I think that's a, a legitimate belief now instead of a hope.
0: No yeah I think you're exactly right and and you know that's the thing there there is a belief now that you you summed it up that should be their new slogan seriously because in the past it was hope and and let's face it but most of the hope went away by the first part of October and they started talking about who Kentucky basketball is going to have and all that but uh, you know now you actually talk about the entire season and that's something that really hasn't been done and people that are You know, under 30 years old, 35 years old, they had no clue that this used to, you know, that this was the way it was been at Kentucky for years. You know, the joke was everybody left by the third quarter. And now they're staying around and now they're being competitive. And, you know, now you can feel some heartbreak. It's not always a good thing, but maybe in some ways it's positive where, you know, they almost did something. Uh, Where in the past you didn't think Kentucky would have a shot at maybe knocking off of Florida or Tennessee. You know, there's a big stretch there where you just didn't know. Rich Brooks, give him credit. He had some nice successes. But uh, nobody in my lifetime has has had this consistency that Mark Stoops has now. You know, he's going to bowl games. He's winning bowl games. And I told him, I said, you've done yourself a disservice. He laughed. I've got to know Mark a little bit. I said, now you're expected to go to bowl games. In the past, (laughs) I was like, well, I hope we go to a bowl game sometime in the next two years. Now, with his success, he's supposed to go to a bowl game every year.
1: Yes, it's it's funny how – Things change pretty quickly because you know you, you heard the old line for years. They can just win you know six six games a year and go six seven a year and go to a bowl game. You know that's they'll elect him. You know uh, Kentucky football coach governor. And now it's like, right. well, they you know I I could see him, I guess winning only seven. You hear a lot of that kind of thing now. <laughs> it,
2: really,
0: you know, it really is. I guess you know it cuts both ways, doesn't it? It's it's yes. a great thing to have where they're saying, well, let's go back and knock off a of Penn State in the New Year's Day Bowl. That's what we want. Uh, out there, it, you know, it, I think it's a it's a great situation for Kentucky to be in. That you can actually talk with that kind of uh, realistic talk about Kentucky football, uh, as as you say, a belief instead of a hope. Now,
1: let's get back to the race tomorrow. Uh, the uh, The belief is that tis the law is uh, lays over the field. Uh, do you think he's vulnerable at all?
0: Well, I think he could be. I mean, the thing that's is, is really good about him, you know, he's got these gears. I mean, he can go out there, especially at a one-turn mile-and-eighth an like this race is going to be. I-, I think that he'll be out there near the front if he wants to be. Uh, you know, I, I think Sole, Sole Volante, that Patrick Biancone trains, uh, that ran well down in Florida. It's interesting. He ran like two weeks ago, and he's coming right back. Uh, but I mean, I think he might be interesting. And this horse, Dr. Post, that Todd Fletcher trains and Tap It to Win that Mark Cassie trains. One of those three could be the uh, ones that spoiled the day for uh, Barkley Tag and the Sacatoga Stable guys who had the funny side, as you know, in 2003. But Law's done everything right, Tom. And you know, if the Derby had been, in a hypothetical world, if the Derby had been run when it was scheduled to be run, uh, Law would, maybe if not the top choice, because Baffert's horses were still healthy at that time, but he would have been one of the top two or three horses in the Derby. So We've seen a horse that's been among the very best, maybe the best three-year-old all season. Uh, he's certainly the best running on the track right now, and he'll have a chance to prove that tomorrow.
1: Kenny Rice, stay safe up there, and uh, we'll see you on the TV tomorrow.
0: All right, my friend. It's great to catch up. Um, thank you.
1: You too. Kenny Rice, Watch him, uh, see him tomorrow uh, on the NBC coverage of the Belmont Stakes from Belmont Park. We'll head to a break, and we'll come back with our final segment of this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Guests on the Leach Report come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is a family-run operation. They are also a Kentucky Proud operation. They grow the hemp in their fields. They process it on-site into a variety of products, CBD oil, hemp seed oil that you can cook with, New products for fishermen that are made entirely from hemp seeds that are high in omegas, and that attracts fish naturally. You can find out all about this at KentuckyHempWorks.com. They are more than just CBD, and you can check out their YouTube channel and see what we're talking about. That's com. And joining us now is our buddy John Short. John, you were listening to the show. You tweeted out on Monday morning, and you had a fall and broke your collarbone. Are you doing okay? I'm
2: doing all right. Yes, indeedy.
1: Got patched up good?
2: Yeah, no surgery. Just Had to keep my uh, left arm in the swing for six weeks and eight weeks and now be healed.
1: She'll so you, so be ready for that first football game if it happens.
2: I will be ready until you win by 55 <laughs> uh, it's,
1: we, we, we We know you are uh, confident about your cats. Um, so uh, Kyle Tucker said something apparently that just threw you for a loop on Monday and... Uh, and knocked, knocked mm-hmm. you down, but uh, we're, we're glad you uh, are feeling better and uh, that uh, you're uh, getting healed up. I know you got a lot of good responses on Twitter with folks, Wildcat fans, wishing you well. Had to uh, warm your heart, I guess.
2: Yes, indeed. I was hoping the football season would begin 7th, September 3, August 22. And then August 22, nobody played on Derby Day, because nobody have the Derby. Then that, then had the football game on September 12th it'll probably be better that way of September 13th, we have it again August 22'd be a whole lot better.
1: Well with Kentucky moving their game not much of anybody in the state of Kentucky's playing on Derby day now. Western and Louisville have also moved too. John, it's good to hear from you. Glad you're doing well and uh, we wish you a speedy recovery. Thank well, you thank you. And is our buddy John short joining us here on the leech report uh, this day in wildcat history 1984. It was this day that in the NBA draft, Portland. Well, the, the first pick went to Houston. They took Hakeem Olajuwon. Portland took Sam Bowie, and Chicago took Michael Jordan. And you know how it all turned out. And Sam's taken a lot of uh, unfair abuse about that over the years. It was uh, certainly given the times, the reliance on big men. Uh, that's uh, why Michael. And you know Michael Jordan was not the Michael Jordan that we saw in the NBA when he was at Carolina. Um, and Sam, I think if he had been able to stay healthy, would have had uh, an even uh, – he had a good uh, NBA career. He would have been one of the best. Tremendous uh, passer. Uh, he was really ahead of his time in the way big men play the game today. He could have been a you know a Kevin Durant of his time. But uh, anyway, that was on this day in 84. And Melvin Turpin uh, went to sixth in that draft. Uh, our Keelan Select Race of the Week is obviously the Belmont Stakes. And uh, like our friend Dick Girardi, who was on with us earlier, I'm going to take Tappet to win. I, uh, I think that Tis the Law certainly merits respect off what he's done. And he's... Um, you know, faced more uh, graded stakes challenges, but the fields haven't been that strong, and the speed figures are close enough with Tappet to Win that if he improves just a little bit, and I think he can, I think he could uh, could get him in this spot tomorrow. I think this is a horse that's uh, really getting good um, right now. And uh, his last two races, he run he's run fast, and he looks to have done it very easily. So I think he could still improve. And if he can, I think Tappet to Win can win. We've given you the last two in a row uh, in our uh, pick of the week, so we're going for the hat trick here tomorrow in the Belmont Stakes with Tappet to Win. Have a uh, great day. You're whether you're watching the races, the golf, uh, NASCAR, whatever, this weekend, getting out golfing, fishing yourself. Have a great one. We'll see you here on Monday on the Leach Report.
0: Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport.com.